our service of worship this morning. It's so good to be with you all, and hopefully we can see a few little sprinkles of rain uh, to kind of give us that little bit of water that we need outside. But as always, it is so good to be with you uh, in worship today. I'm looking forward to singing, praying, and being together in worship this morning. We're going to begin with our first hymn, which is titled, Come Thou Almighty King. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, 12 to 14. Chapter 2, verses 18 to 23. 
Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I, the teacher, when king over Israel in Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and sea. All is vanity and a chasing after wind. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me, and who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Yet they will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is uh, this also is vanity. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all that, the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain, and their work is a vexation. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. The word of our Lord. Our psalm reading comes from Psalm 49, verses 1 through 12. Hear this, all you peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of my persecutors surrounds me? Truly, no ransom avails for one's life. There is no price one can give to God for it. When we look at the wise, they die. Fool and dolt perish together and leave their wealth to others. Mortals cannot abide in their pomp. They are like the animals that perish. And now for our next hymn, Holy God, we praise thy name.
reading comes from the New Testament letter of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator, in that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. The word of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the twelfth chapter. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. I wanted to begin the message this morning by asking you to reflect with me on a question. You don't need to raise your hand or share an answer. Just think about how you would answer the following question. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? I've asked numerous people this question in a variety of contexts, and I've noticed that most people define wisdom something like this. It's about knowledge or being smart. Well, I believe that someone can certainly be intelligent and wise, they are not necessarily linked to one another. There are profoundly wise people in the world with everyday average intellect. Wisdom is not the same as being smart. It's actually about something else. 
As I read all of the lectionary texts this week in preparation for this sermon, I realized that all of them carried a few common themes. That happens, of course. Those who organize the lectionary and sort the texts do so with very prayerful intentionality. The texts in Ecclesiastes, the Psalms, Colossians 3, and our Gospel reading from Luke 12, they all deal with wisdom and foolishness in varying ways. They also deal with life and death. So we're going to talk about both of these pairs of concepts this morning. Wisdom and foolishness, as well as life and death. They're deeply connected. First, we begin with wisdom. Wisdom is not just about knowing information or being smart. In fact, there are extravagantly brilliant people in the world, intelligent people, who are simultaneously tremendously foolish. I don't need to name any names specifically, but the point is that intelligence and wisdom are not the same thing. You don't need to have a PhD to be a wise person and know what makes for a whole, healthy, and fruitful life. You don't need to be the CEO of a tech company or a Nobel Prize-winning scientist to live your life wisely and deeply. Intelligence, brilliance, knowledge, these are all really good things, and yet, without wisdom, they're not actually that great. And in the absence of wisdom, even intelligence and brilliance can be used to bad ends. As I already pointed out, wisdom is a key theme of our lectionary texts, and they were, they were just the tip of the iceberg as it relates to Scripture. There's an entire section of books from the Old Testament that's referred to as the wisdom literature. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. These are referred to as the wisdom books of the Old Testament. And they contain tremendous wisdom. But wisdom is certainly not limited to just those books. You'll find it all over the place in the scriptures. The parables of Jesus, like the one from Luke 12, those are wisdom literature. The Sermon on the Mount, letters to the churches, and even nestled into prophetic visions we find wisdom. Many narratives, stories in the scriptures contain wisdom in different shapes and forms as well. So it's easy to see wisdom is a major theme of the Bible. But what is it, and how does someone become more wise? Wisdom has to do with knowing how to live life well. Wisdom is actually more like a compass than a library. You don't need to know a lot of facts in order to utilize and practice wisdom. Book learning and reading and study are so good, but they don't automatically make you wise. And I'm also sorry to say, folks, that old age is not a guarantee of wisdom either. <laughs> Many people glean wisdom over years, to be sure, but some do not. According to the scriptures, wisdom is a gift that God gives. And scripture even says in the letter of James that we can ask for it from God anytime, any place, in any circumstance. And God will give it freely. 
In the Old Testament, we read the story of King Solomon, whose father David had just passed away. And when God told Solomon, I will give you anything you want, Solomon simply said, Just give me wisdom in order to lead your people well. I need wisdom. God was so pleased with this answer that he granted Solomon world-renowned wisdom and insight and discernment. But as many of you are aware of Solomon's story, he didn't maintain his love of wisdom for his whole life. He started out great, doing amazing things and oozing wisdom everywhere. But in the end, he made choices that were quite foolish and harmful. And that opens the door to talk about wisdom's opposite, foolishness. If wisdom is knowing how to live life well and make good choices, then foolishness is acting in ways that do not support health, wholeness, and fruitfulness. Sometimes foolishness is thoughtless. A foolish person doesn't take into account the consequences of their actions. Rather, they just go and do and act And the proof of their foolishness is in the aftermath, what comes after what they do. Foolish people tend to not only act in foolish ways, but their foolishness is revealed in how they speak as well. Wisdom is known for patient and thoughtful speech. Foolishness is known for saying whatever comes to mind without concern of what the words are that are coming out. Foolish words often have harmful effects. I'm sure many of us can remember times when we said something that we wished we hadn't, and we saw the consequences of those words. Wisdom is something God gives us freely when we ask for it. And it turns out that wise people are humble, seeking to grow and learn from all things. Being wise doesn't mean we're perfect, Rather, when a wise person makes a mistake or does something foolish, they take the time to learn from it and become more wise. So we've explored wisdom and foolishness, and now we need to talk about how these are connected to life and death. Wisdom enhances and blesses life. Foolishness does not. Wisdom grants us peace. Foolishness does not. People who live wisely are sought after by others because there's a quality of their life that others can see and they crave. People generally don't seek out fools for their advice and guidance, unless, of course, they are foolish themselves, in which case they may pursue wisdom from a fellow fool. Wisdom draws us. We notice it when we see it, and it resonates with our hearts and souls. We notice the quality of the life that a wise person is living, and it it draws us to them. Wisdom in our life or in the lives of others, it enhances the quality of our life, and it makes it possible for us to bless other people. So where do we go from here? Well, I want to offer you two invitations regarding how to live well and two invitations regarding how to die well. The first invitation is to ask God for wisdom daily. Simple prayer every morning. Lord, 
give me wisdom today. Very easy prayer. But one that God promises to answer. He says he's going to give it to us freely. All we've got to do is ask. Lord, I want wisdom today. Give me wisdom today. He loves to answer that prayer. The second invitation is to practice humility. Wise people know that they don't know everything. There's a lot to learn. They're lifelong learners. And I'm not just talking about book knowledge and information. I already pointed out that wisdom is different than intelligence. Wise people see their entire life as a potential classroom. Do we reflect on the experiences that we've had and learn from them? Do we reflect on mistakes we've made and learn from them? Do we reflect on all of our life and learn from it? That's what wise people do. That's one of the best ways to live a wise life. The ancient Greek philosopher Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. That short phrase, so potent, is overflowing with wisdom. Examine, reflect, and seek to understand your life. It's a tremendous source of wisdom. Now for my final two invitations regarding how to die well. We live in a culture that doesn't like to talk about death. We live in a culture that avoids pain and suffering and shies away from discussing our mortality or grief or loss. So how does wisdom influence how we die? Well, there are two ways in particular that I want to offer you today. First, just as we can reflect on and examine our lives, we can also reflect on and examine our deaths. We can ask ourselves some deep questions, as well as address the feelings we have regarding death. For many people, the idea of contemplating death is scary. Many of us avoid talking about it because it's a vast unknown. We almost always fear what we don't know. So some simple questions that you can use to reflect on death include these. What do I believe? What do I believe about death? What are things I need to do before I die? What are healthy ways I can embrace my mortality and express how I feel about it? These are really good questions. But fair warning, these will not necessarily be easy questions to reflect on. They're still wise questions, though. Lastly, regarding dying wisely, it's wise to put our affairs in order long before we get near death's door. And I'm not just talking about having a will and dealing with finances. I'm talking about everything from what you want your family and friends to do regarding a service, if you want one at all, where you want your remains placed to honor your legacy, and more, and maybe the most important thing, most important of these are the conversations and relationships that need to be addressed while you're still here. Maybe you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart due to something that happened to you in the past. Maybe there's a relationship with a friend or family member or a significant person that you can offer reconciliation and mending to. Take time to think about these. Pray about these. Don't forget to ask God for wisdom regarding these things as well. 
Each of us has the opportunity to live wisely, which means to live well, and to die wisely. Both can be tremendously fruitful things, not just for us, but for others as well. My prayer for each of us this week is that we would pursue wisdom, shun foolishness, live well, embrace our death, because as people who follow Jesus, we know with faith-filled hearts that death is simply a door. It's not the end. On the other side of that door is hope, light, and God's full eternal embrace. We can be afraid of death and also know that it doesn't have the last word. Amen? One day we will experience new life, resurrection life, eternal life. And that is good news. Amen. Let's continue our service this morning by singing Be Thou My Vision. Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. 
he descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Sometimes we come carrying heavy burdens. So maybe that describes your experience this morning as you joined us in worship, that something is weighing heavy on your heart and mind. Maybe it's something you yourself are going through, or maybe it's a concern or an issue related to a friend, a family member, uh, a neighbor of yours, someone that you care about. Additionally, it could be something that weighs heavy on your heart and mind for the issues that face our world, more global and, and big. So if you come this morning desiring to bring something to God in prayer, I invite you to indicate that by raising your hand at this time. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you hear our prayers. No prayer is lost to you. We know that we can trust that when we come to you in prayer, everything we pray, you receive. You love and care about these issues that weigh heavy on our hearts and minds even more than we do. And so we bring them before you today as an act of worship in our community of faith here as brothers and sisters gather today. We lay them at your feet. We entrust them to your care. We ask, Lord, for the various situations where there is need that you provide. Provide healing, hope, reconciliation, joy, peace, restoration. Lord, we pray for those issues related to those in our lives we care about. Help us to trust you with our loved ones. Help us to share the love that we have for them with you. Additionally, Lord, for those of us who are mindful of the challenges in our world and that those weigh heavy on our hearts and minds, we lift up our entire world to you. The issues facing global leaders and conflict and strife and war violence and poverty and need. We lift these up to you as well. Lord, we thank you 
that you are here, you are present with us, you are here and present with all humanity around the world. You love us, you care for us, you want us to give you our needs in prayer, and so we do that today. We entrust them to your care. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And now I invite you to join me in praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now for our final hymn, O Master, let me walk with you.